0: Welcome to the Darkness Dwells podcast, episode one oh two. I am Jason White.
1: I am Michael Schutz.
0: And uh, this week we have a a a really big guest. I was really happy to have this guy on. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell everyone who that is very shortly, and the movie that we're going to be talking about. Suspense. Yeah, I just want to uh, get our sponsors out of the way first, and then we'll uh, do our chit chat. We are happy to be sponsored, I mean very happy to be sponsored, by Crystal Lake Publishing. Uh, They've been publishing since 2012, and uh, they have quickly become one of the world's leading indie book publishers of horror, mystery, dark, uh, dark and speculative fiction. Uh, Basically, they they do horror. (laughs) Uh, They they do a lot of anthologies, and... uh, and uh, the the very next anthology that they're going to be doing is what we've been promoting all month on the month of Chud.
1: Chud lives.
0: And Chud lives comes out this Friday. We're recording this on uh, April the twenty third. It comes out on April the twenty seventh, and that's this Friday. So, uh, so yeah, I'm I happen to have a story in there.
1: You do you have joined the ranks, my friend. Yes. Jealousy I, burns within.
0: <laughs> it's like I hate you. It's like, "Whoa, Michael on the show."
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I would never say that out loud. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so definitely go to uh, crystallakepub.com. That was crystallakepub.com. And uh, check out what they've got. What else they got? They've they've got a ton of anthologies, collections, and, uh, novellas, and they've just recently kind of gone into the realm of, uh, of novels. And, uh, check out what they got. They're, they got so many awesome authors. They published everything from, like, Ramsey Campbell to Clive Barker. You can't ask for a better, uh, list of, uh, contributors than that. All right, we're also really happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Uh, Audible is an online, uh, it's basically an audio store, and if you're interested, you can try a one month long free trial membership. Go to www. slash uh, sorry. dot com slash where darkness dwells. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat that. <laughs> <laughs> Go to www.audibletrial.com. dot com slash darkness dwells. That's the correct Here. one. And, uh, and sign up for a free long, uh, a month long mem- membership trial. And with that trial, you get a free audiobook. They have over 180,000 titles. So that pretty much means that if, uh, if you want, uh, what, if, if, if the book you're looking for is available as an audiobook, they're more than likely going to have it. But, uh, so you can choose any one of those books, um, just go and check out their catalog after you type in that address. But I'm gonna make a suggestion, and that's Little Heaven by Nick Cutter. It's it's most recent, I believe, and uh, I it sounds like a badass story to me. Uh, so I'm gonna I haven't listened to it yet, but I plan to. So I'm gonna recommend it because, well, it's Nick Cutter. He's like if Joe Hill had never started writing, I think Nick Cutter would it would be a safe bet that he would be the next Stephen King.
1: His The Troop was amazing. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to read it. It was on my radar when I finally did. Wow!
0: Yeah, and you uh, know what? So if,
1: I've been looking forward to Little Heaven
0: a If while. Yeah, if if, if if Little Heaven doesn't appeal to you, uh, Audible.com also has The Troop, so definitely check that out, too. All right, so how are you, Michael? I am so good. I went,
1: I, uh... I slipped. I relapsed, I went on a book buying binge. Uh-oh. I did it. I did it both at my special use bookstore and on eBay. Oh my god! I double fisted it. Yes. <laughs> and as my Ricky said, well, it, it's okay as long as you have room. And, and I'm thinking, is that like a like a like a hard thing right there? If I have room, is that really necessary? Because I don't have room. Is that? Is that okay?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know what?
1: You're not out there, you know, boozing it up or, you know...
0: Uh, yeah, hiring hell prostitutes like and It's
1: just, just books. You can't stop buying books.
0: You know, I have the exact same problem. I have absolutely no bookshelf space left at all. And yet, I keep ordering them and buying them at used bookstores. I, uh... I don't know. I even joined a book club. Um... This is actually a pretty interesting thing. It's a little bit expensive, especially since I'm in Canada and, and our border fees are just insane. But uh, there's this place called Nocturnal, um, Nocturnal Reads. I believe you go to nocturnalreads.com and what you get uh, every month is uh, a new book in the horror field. Like all that stuff is horror books. You get a new book and a book that's been published uh, in the past and what you get with those books are like these really neat that you get like mugs or uh, you know like a beer mug or a beer cup um keychains What's bookmarks this? it's called nocturnal reads and it costs
1: Excuse me while I look that up.
0: <laughs> it costs $35 a month. It's pretty expensive, but uh it's well worth it. Just check it out if you want to see what it's like. Go to YouTube and just look up Nocturnal Reads um, Unboxings, and there's a whole ton of these videos. And dot
1: .com or dot. Something? I believe it's dot .com. Oh, huh. it's not coming up. Uh,
0: yeah, Nocturnal Readers Box. Reader. Ah. Nocturnal. It's Nocturnal Readers Box. The address is no spaces, no capitals or anything like that, just... Yeah thenocturnalreadersbox.com
1: There it is. There it is.
0: There it is. And uh you know I've been binging on this on this thing called BookTube, which is a YouTube uh just, you know, people talking about books on YouTube. <laughs> and uh so I've I've been a sucker. I saw a lot of unboxings and I'm like, "Oh, I got to have that." And uh, I signed up for it and i can't wait to get my first box to be honest with you because damn this this stuff looks a lot of fun um i'm i'm actually very surprised at all the diverse things that you get in these boxes it's not just books it's like like it says bookmarks uh clothing uh tote bags uh all this really cool shit uh art a piece of art you get a piece of art with each What? yeah
1: crazy i'm
0: going to suggest people go check that out because it's uh it's really interesting right you know, there's a lot of boxes out these days. The internet has, yeah, like, gave birth to the box.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, box of... A big thing, isn't it? The box it's of shit we
0: really don't need and yet want.
1: It doesn't tell you what, what you could get. It just kind of says subscribe now.
0: Def, uh, just Yeah, like I said, the, I think they rely really heavily on uh, YouTube box openings. So go to YouTube. And just, oh, and you watch people! Yeah, you do watch people open up their boxes, their nocturnal boxes, nocturnal readers boxes, and uh, <sighs> and you know they do they they pull out everything, and uh, it's oh, really gosh, really t-shirts. fun. Oh gosh, there's t-shirts. Yeah, it, it's really crazy. I highly, I, I said if you have the extra cash, definitely check it out. It's it's a lot of fun.
1: Oh man, on my on my wish list.
0: <laughs> well, you know, uh, we, we kind of lost track of what we were talking about. You said you were doing fantastic because you, you bought a lot of books.
1: Yes, yes.
0: So what did you get, anyway?
1: I got, um, let's see, couple Graham Mastertons and a couple Ramsey Campbells, of course, our former guest and our friend Ramsey Campbell, Robert McCammon, and New Jack Ketchum. Ooh. No Ray Garden today. I always look for my friend Ray. Um, nothing by him on the shelves. It's kind of terrible that I I buy the used books. I don't I don't give any money to them. But I, I you yeah. know
0: honestly I think authors oh, understand in a sense because there is a thing about going to a used bookstore. You know.
1: Yeah. yeah, the smell of an old book and it's like there's a little bit of history in every book because somebody else owned it and probably read it and loved it or maybe didn't love it because it's gone now. Maybe the person died and their kids you know, shipped it off. Yeah,
0: and there's also the uh, idea of finding books that are no longer in print.
1: Yeah, the rare finds, that's awesome. Yeah. that's You know, I found a, uh, I don't know if I said this on the show, but I go to my local library book sale on the first, of, first Saturday of every month. Everything's a quarter. And Sweet. I found a first edition Steinbeck East of Eden with... The error on page, whatever it is. So a first oh, state really? for a quarter.
0: Jesus! No
1: Somebody way. just donated this book, and it, it's a first edition. Not the very first edition, one thousand limited signed copies, but it's the next, the next, the like mass market first edition. But it's with the uh, with the error on it. So
0: wow!
1: Whatever. Oh my gosh,
0: that's so interesting. I, you know, I've I've seen books like that for sale. Um, you know, it's like people, either they just don't know, or they don't care that what they're holding onto is, uh, potentially, you know, uh, a very expensive book, and they sell it for, like, a dollar, or, in your case, a quarter. A quarter. That's fascinating. That's awesome stuff. You know, I went to the bookstore recently, too, the used bookstore. We have one in, uh, in the next town over, and they sell, uh... You know, I'm always surprised when I go in there, because I always find a lot of stuff uh, uh, that you can't find anywhere else, even, like, on eBay and whatnot. And I kind of swept up some stuff. I got uh, three friggin' Douglas Clegg books, and they're all, like, my old favorites.
1: Yes, I picked up a Clegg, too, of course. I always look for him. What did you get?
0: I got the Nightmare Chronicles.
1: Oh, nice.
0: I got Naomi, which I haven't read, actually, that one, but... uh, I've heard a lot of really good stuff.
1: And I got The Abandoned, and on eBay I ordered Nightmare House. Ooh, right? That's the yeah, title? And yeah. I also found... I'm going to read this one really soon. Neverland.
0: Oh, I got that one too, Neverland. That looks yeah. really
1: good. That's that's going to be the next Clegg that I read, definitely.
0: Yeah. That was an awesome little score. And, uh, I
1: seriously need to find a place for a bookshelf. Somewhere. If I have to nail it to the wall, I need to. Yeah. I need something.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm uh, like I'm looking at my bookshelf right now, and it's just, it's jam packed full of books. I don't know where. I don't know my where I'm going to put any books. My all double
1: stacked. There's another row behind the yeah, front row.
0: I got that too. It's like the the books yeah. you don't want to look at so much.
1: As I sit with two Kindles, I have a Kindle and I have the Kindle app. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not the same.
0: <laughs> no, I it, nothing really replaces holding an actual book in your hands, you know.
1: And you know, a lot of these books that I find are—remember, uh, of course you do. You you have a bunch of them, I'm sure. Zebra books yep. and Leisure Horror. Yep. Those were wonderful companies. They were. That was great. They gave you know new authors a chance. You know, print. You know, it was hard. It was paperback. You know, not a big hardcover bestseller. You know, thousands of dollars of advances, but you know, you could make a living writing your horror novels one or two a year, and
0: not just that. You could find these books at the grocery yes. store.
1: Yeah, you know, For readers and writers alike. It was it was wonderful.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, speaking of uh, leisure. Anyway, uh, our guest author, I believe, he started. Publishing with Leisure, I could be wrong on that. I've been reading them for a while, but I, you know, I I do have a shitty memory.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just started *Like Death* because uh, I have. I actually haven't read that one yet, and that's the one that most people rave about. So. Yes, it's that's, that's coming. Uh, it's you know, it's kind of considered
0: a horror classic. Yeah, uh, or it's going to be, they say, and uh, I I would agree with that. I read that book actually. During a very dark time in my life, and it uh, kind of helped yeah. with that. And uh, yeah, so uh, obviously we're speaking of uh, Tim Wagoner. He's our guest, yes. And uh, he's going to be talking about his contribution uh, to the "Chud Lives" and in- tribute anthology.
3: Chud lives. Chud
0: lives, and uh, and it lives with Tim Wagoner.
1: and Jason White.
0: And, yeah, and a whole slew of others. Uh, we're we're kind of near the I think the end of the month of Chud now, and that's yeah. that's cool. It was a fun month though, wasn't it?
1: It was. And well, I was going to say I can't wait to get my copy, but I already do. Because <laughs> yeah. I have connections.
0: He's got connections. That that guy in the with the uh, black car and the big trunk sits <laughs> in his parking lot. Uh, it's like, hey, I got some books. You want some books?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I told myself I wouldn't, but oh, just one more. Yeah. One more won't hurt.
0: First one's free. <laughs> yeah!
1: <laughs> just like Audible. They get you hooked. Yeah. Oh, and before I forget, um, as as of our day of recording, it is 191 days until Halloween. Oh, wow.
0: It's coming. Cool. It's, coming. it's coming. Yes, and so uh, we're going to be talking with Tim Wagoner, and after that. Um, Uh, We're gonna talk about this movie called XX. Yes, oh. It's from 2017. And, uh, it's an anthology film with, uh, with women writers and directors. About 90% women. Well, maybe 95%.
1: Well, it's all written and directed by women. The producers, oddly enough, are are male. Yeah, but
0: one of the stories was based actually on a Jack Ketchum story. Yes,
1: yes, my favorite one. Yes. We will get to that.
0: So we will get to that. Uh, Until then, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, excuse me, we're going to be joined by Mr. Tim Wagoner.
1: So go nowhere. Stay in your seat.
0: With unmatched success since 2012, Crystal Lake Publishing has quickly become one of the world's leading indie publishers of horror and thriller books with a mystery and suspense edge. With stories, interviews, and essays by the likes of Wes Craven, Neil Gaiman, Jack Ketchum, Ramsey Campbell, Kevin Lucia, Jasper Bark, Mercedes M. Yardley, Mark Allen Gunnels, and Clive Barker, you'll want to dive right in. Crystal Lake Publishing
3: www.crystallakepub.com Hi, welcome to the Patreon campaign for Crystal Lake Publishing. I'm Jasper Bach. Let me explain to you why I was thrilled to be an advocate. I've been working with Crystal Lake Publishing since the publication of their first official release, the anthology for The Night is Over the last three years, I've watched them grow into one of the world's leading indie publishers of dark fiction. But times are hard for indie publishers, and that's why they need your support. Not only to pay the huge number of people who work tirelessly behind the scenes to make certain that each book is of the highest professional standard, but also to pay all anthology contributors a top professional rate to include artwork in every single one of their books, and to pay a quarterly bonus on royalties to all their authors. In return, they are offering some truly amazing perks, so please do take a moment to go and check them out. The perks are offered over two tiers, so there is something to suit everyone's budget. And, because this is Patreon, you can put a cap on the amount of money you spend each month so you will never go above budget. But the main reason to support Crystal Lake Publishing is because they build communities. Communities of readers and writers, of artists and filmmakers, and genre enthusiasts of every stripe. And that's why I am so proud to be an associate, why I was thrilled to be an advocate for this campaign, and why, most importantly, I hope that you will join me. Thank you so much for listening.
0: Welcome back. This week, Tim Wagoner is our guest. And uh, we're continuing The Darkness Dwells, Month of Chud. (laughs) Tim is a Bram Stoker Award winner and the author of over 40 novels and three collections of short stories, with one on the way. Uh, Not only does he write nasty horror stories, he also pens fantasy, television tie-ins, and some young adult fiction. Welcome to The Darkness Dwells, Tim. Uh, we're thanks really honored to have you.
2: Me. Oh, thanks for having me. So, um, I want to talk about
0: Chud first, and then I, I was thinking of maybe discussing just a little bit of your career. Uh, but I wanted to know, how did the uh, Chud anthology fall into your lap? Did Were you invited for it, or did you just submit when it opened up?
2: No, I just saw the guidelines online, and I said to myself, I have got to write a Chud story, so I sent one in.
0: Yeah, um, there was a bit of controversy regarding the the guidelines because of, uh, uh, you know, the no swearing thing. Did that bother you at all?
2: Yeah, it gave me a little bit of pause, so... uh... I had e- emailed the editor to kind of figure out, you know, where is the guidelines for it, and I was still able to use Helen and Dam, and that was good enough. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. they probably would say casual. Yeah, you know, Ch- if Chud's chewing on your leg, you're probably going to say something worse. But I figured I could work with that. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> um, uh, what was what was the biggest struggle you'd say writing your Chud story?
2: Well, whenever you work on an anthology like this, you know that everybody else is doing stories too, so you don't want to do the same kind of idea that everybody else might do. You don't want to go for just like the, the first thing that pops into your head. And then you, because of the kind of movie it is, you're thinking everybody's going to write a story where Chud are eating people. So, you have to try to figure out a way to maybe still kind of do that, to do the homage to the movie, but at the same time try to find a different way. So, I, I watched the movie. You know, I've owned it for years. So, I, I watched the movie several times. Try, I thought it'd be cool if I could find some character or a little plot thread in there, uh, something that wasn't explored that I could focus on. So, the, all of that, you know, made it kind of difficult, but it was a lot of fun.
1: When did you first watch Chud? Were you a, a fan from way back?
2: Oh yeah, I saw it in a theater when it came out. Um, oh. It was it was ridiculous fun. <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> fun. Any yeah. movie that called itself Chud, you knew exactly what you were getting going in. So. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I
0: could. have. I was too young uh, when it came out in theaters, but that would have been awesome seeing it on the big screen.
2: Yeah, and I actually saw it in a little tiny theater. It was. It's kind of like was kind of like what today is like a second run theater. I mean, it was show. You know, current movies, but just one a week, and the next week it would be a different one. So it was really tiny, and so the screen wasn't big, but it was really fun to see it with a small audience like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, both Michael and I, we were lucky enough to get an ARC of the uh, Chud Lives anthology, so we've uh, re- we've read your story, and I couldn't cool. I couldn't help but wonder if Officer Lumley's <laughs> name isn't a reference to perhaps a favorite author of yours.
2: Yeah, even you know, like when I decided to use those. Uh, uh, those two characters, I thought, okay, what is their name? So I looked, you know, on the IMDb and tried to see, you know, what John Goodman and uh, Jay, I can't remember his last name. Jay Thomas? Uh, yeah, Jay Thomas. And uh, see what char- you know, what their characters were called. And they weren't. They just listed as like Cop 1 and Cop yeah. 2. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I went and looked
0: too, just, just yeah. in preparation for this question.
2: <laughs> yeah, so what I did was I looked for stills online and, you know, zoomed in as much as I could. Oh, no, I didn't do that. I actually watched the movie and stopped it. Oh. And I stopped it so I could try to see what was on their name tags. So at least to get their last names. Oh, wow. And I got one of their last names, and the other was kind of a blur, and I guessed, and I think that one might have been Lumley. Because I have a vague memory of thinking it was cool because, you know, it sounded like Brian Lumley. So yeah. I would go ahead, and, you know, toss it in. But yeah, So one of the names is accurate, and the other one's my best guesstimate of what the name probably was.
1: <laughs> see, we kind of I thought that you were you uh, threw in an Easter egg for Brian Lumley, but yeah. uh, is that perhaps something that you ever do? Do you ever put little references into your work?
2: I don't do it too often. I mean, it's fun, but whenever I encounter one, it kind of throws me out of the world of the story a little bit. Oh. And so I, I try. if I do it, I try to be subtle. Um, one of the things I did in Like Death was I mentioned that the main character had just moved from Cedar Hill, which is a setting for a lot of Gary Brombeck's. Fiction. Ah, yeah, cool. Just a little nod to him. Are, are you good? Are you Somebody. good friends with Gary? Yeah, we've been friends for a long time.
0: Awesome. He's a cool guy. I met him once in. Yeah, uh, t- I met him actually when he went won a Bram Stoker in two thousand and seven Toronto.
2: Yeah, he's great. He's a wonderful writer too.
0: Yeah. Oh um actually, I was wondering something else i didn't uh put this in the questions that I sent you but uh I just thought of it um one of the stipulations was not to use any characters in the uh in the actual movie was this something because i mean the John Goodman and Jay Thomas characters are so small they're not technically characters of the story. Was that something that you're is that is that how you were able to choose that
2: uh i I think I forgot that part. I just asked if I could. <laughs> I just pitched the idea and they said it was fine.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's because it's like none of the main characters, right? So, right. But uh, I, I love that scene that you chose with John Goodman and Jay Thomas, uh, where your story begins. I thought it was a, a great scene to write because, uh, well, one thing about the movie is I love that they left what happened in that diner to the viewer's imagination. But what I love about your story is that you took us there and you showed us what happened. <laughs> so when you first saw this movie or maybe along the way, over the years is that something you thought you know thought about is this something you wanted to write
2: um no but the those two characters just stuck with me uh, maybe it's because you know the actors are so good they've made such an impression on their small part yeah because back then you know i didn't know who they were they were just actors um <laughs> yeah but there was just something about that scene and the three the three actors that were in it and just watching them play it and the way it played out that just stuck in my mind and um and, you know, it's one of those images, too, that kind of shows up when people will, like, post pictures online about Chud and the, the movie itself and just that picture. It's on the, the cover of the anthology, too, you know, just them kind of looking over their shoulder as the Chud, like, <laughs> breaks through the diner window. Yeah. Just something about it that stuck with me all these years, in a lot of ways, stuck with me more than just about anything else except the Chud themselves.
0: Yeah, it's an awesome scene. I love it.
1: And this is definitely not the first time you've written in uh, in established universes. You have you have an impressive history with uh, Grimm, Supernatural, uh, Resident Evil book. Um, were you a fan of all of those? Are you a fan of of the universes that you write in beforehand, or do you sometimes
2: research them as you go? You know, some it can be a little bit of both. I had only seen a few episodes of Grimm when I got the the gig to do that so I added a little bit of catching up to do but um, in general the the ones I've done so far I, I have been a fan of. The Resident Evil one was a lot of fun because it's the sixth movie out of five and there were so many like things that the script didn't address I'm like to hell with it. I'm going to try to connect this to all five damn movies and maybe <laughs> even a couple the novelizations if I can too and see if they'll let me keep any of this crap in. And they let me me keep all of it. They didn't change a single thing except uh, the main character loses a couple fingers in the movie, and they changed the number of fingers in my manuscript. Evidently, it changed from the script to the manuscript, but uh, to the book. Other than that, you know, it was it. No, it, it helps to be a fan, but you can kind of once you start doing this, you can kind of feel your way through. I mean, the most important thing for me is to get the feel of whatever it is, like feel of the world. Yeah, like I tell. You know, I tell people that you know Game of Thrones and Middle Earth and Narnia and Oz are all fantasy worlds, but they have such different feels to them. So if you can kind of get a, a sense of that, then in a sense of the characters, it's a lot easier to write.
1: I've always wondered that when I when I see um, different writers pop up, and uh, you know, not like series regulars, you get like, oh, this person writes a lot and directs a lot of the episodes, but that just seem, seems seems so difficult to me to try to pop into that into that world you must be you have to be so elastic and do they ever do they like really give you a do they give you like guidelines that you that you have to fulfill or do you really have a lot of freedom like when you when you mentioned tone do they kind of set that or can you play you
3: No
2: know, I can play to a certain degree but you know you always have to run everything by the studio and like in the example of the the supernatural novels, Sometimes they'll tell me, you can't use this character because we've got plans for them later in the season. Um, don't address this because we don't want it addressed in the novels. A lot of times the big meta stories they have for each season, they don't really want in the novels. They want them to be more like Adventure of the Week. Um, and sometimes if you make stuff up, they'll be like, no, that's not established canon on the series. the series." I'll tell you to take that out. Um, But in general, you know, as long as you, you know, make sure not to have the the characters do something that they would never do in the series, you know, something that violates their character or violates the world. Um, One of the books I did for Supernatural had a a, a human that could basically the idea she came up with created gods and the gods battled it out to see which one of them would like stay alive as a god. Um, And so some of them were modern. And uh had like technological aspects and they made me take stop that because they're like there's no technology like that in supernatural. That's not the feel of it. Yeah. And so, so I said fine and changed it. But, yeah, so things like that. So it's kind of a balance, you know, you, you, you push the envelope where you can and they'll let you know if you push too far.
0: Do you watch Supernatural regularly or or yes
2: although i need to get caught up i'm behind but, yeah
0: i'm I'm dreadfully behind too but i'm a, i'm a huge fan i even read some of the uh supernatural tie-ins um but i had no idea until i started researching you that you wrote in that world so i definitely have to go check those out
2: <laughs> yeah I've, I've done two so far well i've done two for titan books and i did a choose your own adventure novel for uh Inside Editions, which was a lot of fun because I got to actually kill off the characters and the bad bad paths that you take. So that was great. And then I've done two nonfiction books about Supernatural for Inside Editions, and I'm doing one more novel right now for Titan Books. Cool. I will end up having written more about these characters than any that I've actually created myself once I finish this book.
1: And I did read. I was reading a blog of yours. Um, Jason and I were wondering if there are other universes that you want to get into. And I read that you have your eye on some Star Wars and Star Trek. Are you You big fans then?
2: That would be, you know, I've I've tried a little bit over the years. I've tried different editors for Star Trek and to see if I could, uh, you know, pitch ideas to them and such. Hasn't worked out yet, but you know, both of those, I saw the first Star Wars that came out when I was probably 13 and i saw star trek not during its original run but pretty soon afterwards and it was in syndication so those are just things that have been there all my life and there's such huge cultural touchdowns it'd be a lot of fun to do um i'd love to do like the universal monsters too if they ever kind of get their act together and you know actually can make a good you know movie universe out of them uh, a reboot universe that would be a lot of fun that would be that would be yeah
0: Oh, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, i've read a lot of you know a lot of interviews online and whatnot and I've learned that it's next to impossible for writers to get media tie in gigs. Is that true
2: well, um yes and no, I mean you have to have already published your own stuff because they need to know that you can write a novel and I don't know if this will change, but I. But my guess is right now anyway, it needs to be traditionally published. They know that you work with an editor and have gone through the, the basic traditional publishing process because that's what you're going to do mm-hmm. with a tie-in. Um, uh, Kindle uh, uh, Worlds, though, is a program Amazon has where you can write in shared universes. They've licensed them, and you can submit. So I tell people to go ahead and try to do some of those as kind of like, you know, works that you can short stories, novellas, whatever, works that you can point to to show that you've got experience doing tie-ins if you want to approach a tie-in publisher but usually they come to you um, or you, once you've done a certain amount of, of books, you can like find out who the editor is pretty easily and just say, hey, I'd like to do a book for you and then see if they got anything open
0: Awesome. Do you have a, a preference that you prefer? Do you like writing uh, uh, tie-ins or, or do you prefer just say working on, on your own stuff?
2: I'd probably just work on my own stuff if I could, but the writing on tines is nice because it can be a, a nice antidote to some of the darkness of the the horror that I write, and that's fun. Um, and you know, I started off in, in, in wanting to be an actor when I was in college. I was still writing, but I thought I'd do both. And doing media ins is kind of like being an actor. You know, you get sort of a script. I mean, it's you know, you have to make it up yourself, but I mean, you're handed a certain amount of of story elements that you have to work with, and it's a lot of fun to see what you can do with that.
0: Yeah. Now, as a writer of your own universes, <laughs> you've uh, you've won the Bram Stoker, and uh, your novel, Like Death, which is how actually I was introduced to you, is, is now considered a future classic of the genre. Now, putting in all the tie-ins and the fact that you're also a professor, how do you fit it all into a, a coherent schedule, or is it all chaos?
2: <laughs> you know, it's probably a little bit of both, actually. Uh, you know, the nice thing about... Uh, being a professor is even though my schedule changes every semester I know what it is and the times I'm not in class unless I have meetings or a committee I'm on or something uh, you know I know they're open time I can choose when I grade so that means I can choose when I write and so what I usually try to do is is write in the afternoon between you know finishing classes and before I go home uh, it helps that a lot of my process is internal i you know, I think about it all the time, and I can do that anywhere, so it doesn't you know I don't yeah. have to be sitting in front of a keyboard or something to do that right. um and i've've been lucky uh, uh, I've always been a fast writer, and editors tell me that you know in general my copy comes out pretty clean they don't usually ask me to revise a lot. Uh, it took me like writing almost ten practice novels to get to that point when I was starting out but but now you know in general, I seem to be able to just keep chugging along, so yeah. hopefully it keeps
0: that way. Uh, Do you have any of those old uh, uh, practice novels, as you call them? Do you keep
2: them? Yeah, I've got them all. I mean, uh, I've got the printouts and I have all the the, the the data, but it's on like floppy drives and old programs. I don't even know if anybody could access, but I still have all the I still have all of them. I try not to look at them too often, but <laughs> I've got them.
0: Do you have, like, a fear that, you know, after you've passed away that somebody might try to publish that stuff and and <laughs> put it out there as, you know, a new Tim Wagner
2: book? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I I doubt that I'd ever be lucky enough for anybody to care, you know. But if if somebody did, it, as an artist, it wouldn't bother me because it just would be like a look into, you know, kind of your artistic journey, I guess. So. As long as everybody knew that it was an old novel and might not be that great, yeah. it wouldn't bother me. I'd be dead. What would up, care? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> if my kids could get some money out of it, you know, more power too.
0: Then so be it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, uh, a couple of days ago, you did uh, an AMA for Urban Books, and uh, I was watching it. And uh, there was a question uh, asked to you where you, it was mentioned that if you were ever. Uh, lucky enough to have one of your stories be adapted to film, you'd like Mike Flanagan to direct it. Uh, both Michael and I were huge fans of his, aren't we, Michael?
1: We are. Um, I remember seeing Absentia. You know, I think that was pretty much his, his first one. I fell yeah, in I love, so, yeah. immediately. I love it. And I think we've done a couple of his his movies on the show, but we talk about them all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Tim, I guess what what we were really wondering is, do you have any um, of your stories specifically that you think would would be good for um, a Flanagan film or an adaptation in general?
2: Yeah, you know, I've actually sent Mike a couple things. He's got a, he hopes to start a production company of his own where he can kind of, you know, bring forth kind of new scripts and, you know, new writers of horror. As busy as he is, I don't know how that's going to when he's going to get that off the ground, but I sent him the winter box, which is a—it's—it's uh, a, the it's a story of it's a novella about a couple who are haunted by the ghost of their dead marriage. Um, oh. it, it's a concept I had for it, and so and it takes place in winter, and it's mostly just focuses on them. And I think that because he likes to have a small cast and like a like a family dynamic, and you know, very much focus on the characters, he'd like that one. I also have a short story called I wrote it years ago called Homebody about an agoraphobic woman who dies and her spirit is basically the house and her daughter's trapped in the house because their mother kind of still feels like she needs to be taken care of. You know, she's not quite, you know, not sentient the same way anymore. And so the daughter's trapped in the house and still tending to this kind of mother thing that's in there, but trying to get out. And that struck me as one that might be kind of interesting, kind of a different spin on the haunted house story, but also with the kind of character dynamic he seems to like yeah did, just
1: how you describe that i could, i could see that it's very uh cinemagraphic
2: right did he did he
0: ever get back to you at all like uh you know
2: uh, no it's just it's one of those things where you know he so get, get get to those things when he can yeah and you never know if it's going to land in his lap i mean when i when I sent it to them he was just prepping the his adaption of the haunting of hill house right wow think he may have finished and uh then he's gonna go on to do another oh dr sleep he's gonna yeah yeah so you know who knows
0: looking uh, forward to that
2: yeah i think that will be great i'm looking forward to the the haunting of hill house he wouldn't i was chatting with him at stoker a couple years ago and he couldn't talk about exactly how he was going to do it but he said i have a really cool idea for how to do it and then i saw his adaption of gerald's game and i'm like that was awesome I bet he can come up with really cool ideas to expand The Haunting of Hill House into kind of a series. so for sure forward to he does he's incredible
0: and you mentioned the winter box I think you know that one. the Bram Stoker didn't it
2: yep that's it that's that,
0: one. that would be uh, that would be an awesome choice I think honestly
2: yeah I think the, the, the biggest problem is just the winter part <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, I had another studio kind of pass on it because they were like, we thought it's pretty good, but it would know, be hard to film it and you know, recreate a winter.
0: Yeah.
2: So I never really thought of that because there's no budget when you're right. You can do whatever you want.
0: Exactly. <laughs> well, a lot of people, you know, they go to Canada because it's cheaper. They save on taxes and whatnot, so right. you never know.
2: Yes, sir. we'll see.
0: Yeah. Now, um... Uh, before we go, uh, what can fans expect from you in the near future? I mentioned in your uh, in your introduction that you have a collection of short
2: fiction coming out soon. That's right. It's called Dark and Distant Voices. It's coming from Nightscape Press at the end of the month. It should be out. It's already up for pre-order for Kindle. But uh, my, the, soon the print edition will be up for pre-order, too, and it'll just be officially released then. Cool. And then in uh, September, I have a book called The Mouth of the Dark coming out from Flame Tree Press. Uh, so it's you know a weird horror novel kind of in the vein of Like Death. Sweet, yeah. Yeah, and sometimes sooner after that, I'll have a a book called Supernatural Hidden Universe, and it's part of the Hidden Universe series that um, Inside Edition does, where it's kind of like sort of like a travel guide to different worlds, like they've done one to the planet Vulcan and, and the planet Klingon planet. Uh, from Star Trek, and so this one's kind of like a travel guide to the places where Sam and Dean have been and stuff like that. So That's kind of coming up, with yeah, okay. it was a lot. It was hard to write though because when I uh, they first pitched it to it asked me to do it, I'm like, it sounds cool. Then I realized they go to the same damn Midwestern town every week. There's, there's not a whole lot to say, but yeah, I finally figured out a way to do it, and I think it. You know, just waiting for final approval from uh, Warner Brothers. We'll see, but it should be coming out at the either toward the end of the year, beginning of next year.
0: Did you happen to see the uh, the episode they did recently where Sam and Dean and Castiel were swept into uh, the world of Scooby Doo?
2: No, I dbr would it, and I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. It's good. It's funny. You should watch it. I'm
0: really looking forward to it. Yeah. All
2: right. So, uh, where can people
0: find you online, Tim?
2: Well, my websites. You know, com, and I'm on Facebook. My profile's public, so people can just follow me or check it out if they don't want to friend me. Um, I'm on Twitter at TimWagoner. I'm on, on I'm on Instagram as, I guess, Tim Wagner. I don't know how Instagram works that well. I post pictures on it. That's all I know. But I'm <laughs> on there, too. So any of those places, they can find me. Excellent.
0: Well, this has been a real honor for us. Um, uh, Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, maybe a... Oh. Uh, in the future, when, maybe when you come out with your new book, you can come back on and uh, you can promote it.
2: I would love to, anytime.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Tim.
2: All right. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Get away from her, you bitch! <gasps> Andy, no! Please! We're friends to the end, remember? This is the end, friend. There are us, that's all. There's no more room in hell. What? This is something my granddaddy used to tell us. You know Mukumba? Furu. Granddad was a priest in Trinidad. He used to tell us, when there's no more room in hell, The dead will walk the earth. Then there has got to be a heaven, Jacob. There's got to be. So which are you? Are you a faithless preacher?
1: Or are you a mean motherfucking servant of God?
3: Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. In the face of the enemy <sighs> Let the enemy have no power over <sighs> And the sum of illiquity be powerless to harm Your mother enemy. sucks cocks and hell you faithless slime You're creature of the night, Michael Just like out of a comic book You're a vampire, Michael my own brother, a goddamn
0: shit-sucking vampire. will oh, you wait till Mom finds out, buddy.
3: Here's Johnny. Piece of tail. You got one choice, boy. Sex or the saw. Sex is, uh, nobody knows. But the saw, the saw is family. is family. Well, Granddad hears about this. What's in the box? Present. Can I see? Danny. Stop being so nosy.
2: It's okay.
0: I don't think anyone's been up here in a really long time.
3: Maybe it's cursed. Your son tore my daughter's fingernails off. You're not going to punish him?
1: Listen, you gotta eat something. It's been three days, buddy.
3: Not hungry.
0: Something's happening to Andy. <gasps> something
3: just terrible. You're not getting up from this table until you eat that pizza, do you understand me? Just eat! If
0: you don't eat, eventually you'll die. So? So, uh, you, you were saying that uh, you ha- before we talk about the movie, um, yes. you mentioned that you had some news.
1: I have some movie news. As people may or may not know, but uh, Rob Zombie has finished shooting on... Rob Zombie has finished shooting 3 From Hell, the sequel to The Devil's Rejects, which was the... Sequel to Thousand Corpses. The new Rob Zombie movie is done. It's going to be coming out soon. And guess who's starring in it? Or at least appearing in it? D. Wallace, my good friend, um, who is also in his Lords of Salem. She did a great job in that. Yeah. So there's talk that it might be just on video on demand rather than in theaters, but it's shot. Um, it's full of of guest stars, full of his usual suspects. Um, I'm so excited. You know how much I love Rob Zombie.
0: Yeah, me too. You love
1: him just as much.
0: You know, it's funny how he brings in a lot of the, um, you know, like horror movie legends. Yeah. He he has a knack for that. I don't know if he's like if he pester[s] them. He's like, I'm
1: such a big fan. I wonder. I wonder. Maybe he does.
0: Can you be in my movie? I, I would so love it if you would be on my movie.
1: <laughs> I love that he turns into a little dork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: When he's on camera, he's all grumpy looking, yeah. and
1: yeah, and he's, he's like got... a little accountant in real life. Um, <laughs> and he's like... I'm making a little film. <laughs> Excuse me.
0: Is this Did you Rob... know
1: that Is this Rob I Zombie? watched a documentary on Woody Allen? And when? He approaches people to be in, in his movies. He writes them a letter, typewritten, and he introduces himself as if nobody would know who he was. You know, he's like, "I directed this and that and the other, and I really liked you in such and such. Would you be interested in in doing a movie for me?" And then he's always like, "You know, if, if you if there's anything in the script that you don't like, you know, you can you can add lib, you can you can make things up." And he's like, really weirdly humble about it all.
0: That's very strange. Because you think, you know, I guess if it's when it's you, um, you know, when it's you who's the big star, you don't always think of it that way, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, he's not a big star, but every pretty much everyone knows who Woody Allen is, you know? Like, whether you love him or hate him. Maybe that's why, right. <laughs> because of the controversy, <laughs> maybe, maybe he's just like, okay, th- these people might hate me. And so, maybe I should just introduce so, myself and try to sell no, it's, it.
1: <laughs> it's everywhere in Hollywood now, and I don't know. It's It gets really difficult to say that you like somebody's work. Yeah. Because, it,
0: it, because they might be a rapist.
1: Yeah. Or it's turning out they are. <laughs> They're male. <laughs> it seems like they are. But, I don't know. I separate the, the work from, from the person, and I know... There's arguments against that because you're supporting them financially. I don't know. It's a minefield now, but, you know.
0: It is. It was easier when there was only a few of them. Then you could, like, say, okay, you know what? I, I'm going to, like, not watch this movie because fuck that director. Yeah. But, but now it's like... Now
1: it's like everything that's made you're going to have to pass on.
0: Yeah, because you but. just don't know. I mean, you didn't know before, but now it's, like, in, in, encrusted in your head, you know? <laughs> Like, it's
1: a really, it's really a sick state of affairs. Like it is. you know, every every week somebody else is discovered to have you know somehow sexually harassed or or assaulted somebody, and I just wonder what the fuck is wrong with guys. I mean, what in the hell is wrong with people and guys in in Hollywood? What is up? I can
0: tell you Jesus. what it is. It's, it's the power that they have, is it, and, and I, the it fact. Must be- and the fact that for the longest time, nobody, if you had that power, nobody yes. would, nobody would dare take you down yep. because, Exactly. Yeah. so you could do anything you wanted. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that some of these people didn't, you know, enjoy killing. Maybe the, you know, the hooker in a trunk joke is like from real life, <laughs> you know, like maybe they they just haven't gotten gotten to that guy yet, you know.
1: It's hard to be surprised anymore. Anyway. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, that would have made it, made a we should have talked about the movie Starry Eyes. Uh, that would have made a great segue for this because of the Weinstein thing. That yeah. movie, I swear to God, is based on everything that Weinstein, uh, was doing to women in, in his movies. It's the you exact know, it, same it thing. What
1: disappoints me most, well, Harvey Weinstein really disappoints me because. Because he and his brother were such great producers. Yeah. I mean, I love their, their work. They did their blockbusters and the big things, but they always gave indie movies a chance. And, you know, they used what they made from the from the big movies to be able to finance the smaller movies. It was, you know, the Weinstein Company was a sign of quality. And God damn him. Just shit all over everything.
0: Yeah. And, well, now they're gone, so. Yeah. So that's that. But, uh, you know, speaking of, uh, these, these predators, they tend to, uh, uh, they tend to go after women and, uh, women who are, you know, everyone knows women who don't necessarily have their own power yet. It's like, hey, you want to be a star? Well, you're going to have to go and do all this stuff. So I, I think it was interesting that in, uh, was 2017, um, four women directors, I know that there was a couple of repeats, but there was, like, doubles as well. Um, Let me see here. The four directors are Roxanne Benjamin, Roxanne Benjamin, Karen Kusama, uh, St. Vincent. (laughs) That one confuses me. And uh, Jovanka Vukovic.
1: Vukovic.
0: Vukovic. There you go. And uh, so you have... uh, these four women directors come together and create an anthology horror film in double X. And, of course, the double X is a reference to the gene, you know, uh, XX, XY, and all that crap. The
1: chromosomes.
0: Yes, the chromosomes. And uh, so what we have here is uh, uh, four short movies. And uh, what are your first impressions, Michael?
1: Uh, boy. It's almost hard to have first impressions about an anthology series. It uh, is, yeah. uh, Well, I love it. Um, as a whole, I love it. I really love the framing sequence, too, that uh, Sofia Carrillo, I think, unless you want to pronounce the L's, Carrillo, directed with the little stop-motion dollhouse and doll parts moving around. Uh Framing sequences are always interesting. Some of the movies I liked a lot more than the others. And, uh, but as we say a lot of times, you and I, there's something for everyone. Yeah. Um, uh, this, this... I think as a whole, this is, this is definitely to be seen. This, yes. This is definitely to watch.
0: Because, you know, this is no exception. Um, there There is at least one clunker in this anthology, um... Mainly because of it just doesn't make any sense. But I want to talk about the first one first. Yes. Um, the box. My okay. favorite. This one is actually sort of like a weird fiction type idea. And it also reminded me of that Radiohead video. I don't know if you ever saw it because you're not a fan. But the, uh, the one where somebody whispers something into somebody's ear on, the, on a busy uh, busy city sidewalk. And after that's been whispered in their ear, they lie down and they don't move, and then uh, somebody comes along and is like, what's up? And uh, they whisper what they heard into the other person's ear, and then they lie down. Next thing you know, there's like a sidewalk full of people just lying there.
1: (laughs) I ain't gonna watch that. It reminded me of the short story The Nightmare Box by Chuck Polanyuk, which is one of his stories in Haunted, which is about this girl who goes to this art exhibit, and somebody made this it kind of looked like a camera, an old-time camera on one of those tripods. Mm-hmm. And you look inside and it shows a flash of something we don't know what and it turns them into just uh nihilistic you know, just nihilistic wrecks, they don't care about anything
0: yeah. anymore. And
1: uh and in the box it turns people into not wanting to eat.
0: Yes. In this story, we're, uh, the story opens with, uh, this family on the subway, um, a mother, a daughter, and and her son, and, uh, the little boy's kind of sitting, you know, in a different seat from the mother and daughter, and beside him is this, uh, this old man with, uh, <laughs> with a giant gift sitting on his lap, and, uh, the boy asks him, what's in the box, and, uh, you know that made me think of uh, Brad Pitt. <laughs> what's in the box? What's
2: in oh, the
1: box? You know, I think that's his best piece of acting. By the way, I just watched Seven again the other day. Yeah. Uh,
0: so the old man shows him what's in the box, and then right after there- that, the kid stops eating, and he goes for like a he goes for like a good five days, I think, before he uh, he tells his sister something, and I imagine it's what was in the box. And then she stops eating. And it pretty much follows that. I mean, they, they don't just stop eating. They stop eating until until they die from it. Yes. So, uh...
1: And by the way, what, did you notice how well they eat in that house? Yeah. I mean, like, the food that they prepare? My God! it I was. We, I would weigh 300 pounds in that house.
0: Eat, me too, for oh, sure. Man. Especially with my metabolism. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> but, uh... You know... Actually, it was kind of interesting. Them sitting there at the dinner table every night. It was very nineteen fifties. I, I got a feel of that, didn't you? It was uh, like it was like I the nuclear family, you know. I
1: see you, that. I see your point. It was that old time gather around the dinner table at night. Put away your phones and everything.
0: Yeah, and uh, sit at the table in the dining room rather than like you know in front of the in front you know. of the television. Um, as I think most families probably do it these days. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, you're right. They ate a lot. It was, like, every meal. I think that's, like, something from the 50s, too. It was, like, big meat, potatoes, the whole nine yards, you know, vegetables. And there was one night when they tried to get one of their kids to eat by, uh, getting their favorite, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken meal. And they had, like, a huge layout with that. Gosh. <laughs>
1: And pizza and spaghetti and meatballs and I saw hot wings in there and, and oh my god
0: <laughs> I wanna go eat at their place, honestly.
1: Yeah. I'll,
0: I'll take what the kid doesn't want.
1: I wanna I wanna stop the show right now and go eat. Yes. <laughs> this is definitely the box was my favorite. Yeah. It was just really creepy and it's just my style. I like that kind of where we don't know what's going on. I don't know what's in the box. We're never going to find out what's in the box, but it makes something weird happen. I love that.
0: Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and
1: uh, my, if my I biggest. I were to give the the like each short film its own dweller heads, I would probably give the box four and a half.
2: Um,
1: there's the dad, the father. Didn't he overact that guy? My goodness.
0: Uh, he maybe kinda, I think he was. He he kind of took the role of the caregiver, in a sense, which, uh, uh-huh. uh, you know...
1: Why don't you eat? <laughs> yeah. <Huh?
2: laughs>
0: True. But uh, it, it was kind of funny how they kind of switched roles. Um The mother was kind of disassociated. Yeah. Uh She's kind of separate from the family, in a sense, where he was the more maternal one. It was interesting that they took that route with that. I didn't think of that until just now. Um but, yeah. But, yeah, maybe he did overact a bit. I don't know not bad i I would give it maybe four stars myself. uh, you gave it four and a half. I think I'll give it four the The reason why I give it four is because it it kind of jumps from like uh from that one incident. And then you know you get a couple of middle points and then they're all dying and it, it just felt like it was lacking something. I don't know. Maybe it needed to be a bit longer or maybe the middle act, know, yeah, or something. Yeah. I think it was lacking in its middle act a bit. Yeah, that could be it. All right. So the next one oh. is uh, really this one I didn't like very much. Only I, because...
1: yeah, you 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 let something drop when you said a clunker, and I realized you're talking about. The birthday party.
0: Okay, let me get out, uh, out of the way first. I, this one is fun to watch. Um, I like the actress in it. What's her name? Do yes!
1: You know? Oh, my goodness. I love her, too. And I meant to look her up, but I, don't, I, I didn't. Yeah, I, I can't remember
0: uh, oh. her name. I have the uh, the IMDb page open, but... Oh, uh, Melanie Linsky? Oh. Yes. I
1: guess I never knew her name. She's Neither just did that I. actress but she she has one of those faces, actress. yeah.
0: And she plays Mary um from the birthday party. <laughs> she's she's been in a lot of a lot of things. You'll recognize her when you see her. Um but it just her logic made no like her character's logic. First of all, it's like well directed. It looks beautiful. It's it's really good uh uh it just looks good. Um and it shot well. It just the logic behind uh, the, the character, Mary, doesn't make any sense. Actually, you know what? I can kind of understand the logic. The, the premise of this story is that uh, uh, the father is found... Okay, this, it, it's her little girl's birthday party. Um, the day has come. She's all excited. She's, like, dressing up in costumes. She's like, it's my birthday! And then the mother finds that the father's committed suicide in his office. And I laugh because damn, that's dark, right? And I guess that's why she's trying to hide the body. Uh, She doesn't want to ruin her uh, her daughter's day. But that would, in reality, have some serious consequences, I think, uh, that could get her into trouble, too, and seriously ruin her daughter's life, you know? Um, Well,
1: and that's an interesting point, because I have to admit that the reason why I like this so much is... The alternate, the full title that we see right yeah, at, the end. at the end, and and when seeing that, it just it just makes me makes me love the whole thing. So like when I'm watching it, it's not it's just you know the usual kind of hide the body hijinks. You know, it's definitely a a, a dark comedy more than a, a straight up thriller. Yeah. But boy, when the that, that full title hits. Oh man, that's just so brilliant! I love it. It's uh,
0: it was it was definitely weird. That kind of caught me off guard. Uh, I honestly didn't appreciate it, but overall, I enjoyed the thing. It was just it was fun to watch. But it really takes me out of the movie when I'm like, "Why are you doing that? That's just wrong. Like, just call the cops, okay? Don't let your daughter see the dead body. Just call the cops."
1: <laughs> but she couldn't ruin Lucy's birthday party.
0: It's ruined. It doesn't matter if it happens it's the day before now. or the day after. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely ruined now. But yeah, that, uh, uh, you know, that was fun. This one was, uh, was written and directed by both, uh, Roxanne Benjamin and Annie Clark. Uh, oh no, sorry, it was written by Roxanne Benjamin and, and Annie Clark. Clark, but, uh, Annie Clark directed it. Um,.
1: And she apparently plays the music, or has a as a uh, a bit part in it as Saint Vincent. I don't know what that refers to in the credits, but
0: yeah. it was also kind of funny watching her drag the body all over the house and trying to, because people would keep coming, and you know, hilarity ensues.
1: I love I love when he's in the panda suit at the table, and you just know <laughs> that something bad is going to happen. Talk about your bad ideas, yes. <laughs> I, uh, I just, just love fucking... the
0: kids screaming at the end.
1: <laughs> yes, right? and like slow motion and the, and the kids just hit that freak out button. Yeah. <laughs> I give this one four Dweller Heads. I honestly do. Without the final, <laughs> that little afterward full title, I might give it like three. But it gets a full stretch from, from me. <clears throat> for me it tickled
0: me it just makes it for me it does i uh, <clears throat> i'm going to give it a 3
1: the next one is my clunker
0: oh yeah? yeah yeah it's called it's called Don't Fall it was written and directed by Rox- uh, Roxanne Benjamin now, this one i could see maybe why you'd find it a clunker i think it moves way too quickly for what's going on i mean we there are books that have this similar premise and they're like 300 pages long. This this short's only like 10 minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, they yeah. could have expanded on things a bit more, but why did you think it was a clunker?
1: Well, I'm glad they didn't expand on it. For me, really, it was just because there are so many movies about this. Yeah. There are so many books about this. It's the old camping horror, and, and they find that Native American myth and the folklore... And, you know, they disturb the beast within. You know, there's all the, you know, it has, Don't Fall has its own point of view and its own twist. But that subgenre just kind of bores me. I hate to say it, but I've seen it too much. I've just seen it so much.
0: Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it, honestly. I, I didn't find anything wrong with it. But yeah, it, it is a little bit uh, cliched. Uh, very much, uh, you know. Whole bunch of horror tropes in one little.
1: I don't understand the title. Did you catch the title? The, I didn't
0: catch the only reference that has is at the very beginning. They're standing on top of that cliff, yeah. And yeah. Uh, the girl pushes, you know, does that like push but saves you, like cut, saved you, don't fall, yeah, yeah. And she says, "Don't fall," but I, her, that's when they find out that this friend has uh, some serious height issues, as <laughs> she freaks out. She's like, don't do that, you can't do that to me! And She freaks out, and then, uh, they go, because she kind of runs away, that's where they find the, uh, the markings. Uh, the, I guess the, uh, Native American, uh, wall art, I guess you could call it, I don't know. Um, the drawings, and they, they're kind of weird drawings. They look like, uh, they're not like uh, the typical buffalo and whatnot you'd see. These are like obviously a creature of some sort, and it kind of spooks them, but, it, you know, calling the movie Don't Fall, it's like they didn't know what to call it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But, you know, there's a part... Uh, it, there wasn't anything truly freaky about this uh, This one. Um,
1: like the ending when we see the creature. That yeah. was kind of cool. But, uh, it was kind of cool. That's, that's my favorite
0: part. Uh, I hated the part, honestly, where the creature kind of invades her. Turns her into a creature because that was that part is seriously overdone. Where you get like the sketchy monster coming at you, and <laughs> yeah. they have all those stupid sound effects and the editing cuts where it's like all jiggly and meh, 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 as it's coming yeah. at you. It's yeah. like, stop doing that, that's just not scary. If I saw that coming at me, I'd be like, fuck off, you're annoying me,
1: <laughs> kick it in the ball.
0: Yeah, <laughs> okay, maybe not. I'd probably pee my pants, but.
1: Uh, I know, we talk a big game, but... <laughs> it's but, like looking under the bed in the closet for monsters. What would we do if we found one?
0: We'd not know and cry. Yeah. Yeah. They Maybe would find...
1: It's like Lucy in her birthday party. Yeah.
0: But, uh, you know, overall, this one was... Uh, it was fun. I, I didn't hate it. I, I, I'd give this one a four.
1: Oh! Wow, I give it a two.
0: Wow. wow. Sorry,
1: okay. I just didn't like it. I'm sorry, Roxanne. I just didn't care for it. <laughs> I didn't care for it.
0: All right, so uh, the next one was the longest one. It clocked in about half an hour long.
1: Really? I didn't even notice that. I did, yeah. only because
0: uh, I noticed it was the last one, and so I checked the time, and I was like, oh, it's it just a an hour. It didn't
1: seem that long to me, and I've, I've watched this anthology series twice. Huh? Wow. This
0: this one was, uh, I would say, the second best story from the first, myself. Um, it's called Her Only Living Son. This one was written and directed by uh, Karen Kas- uh, Kusama. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And uh, it has an interesting pre- uh, premise. Um, you have a mother and son. She's a single parent. She's taken care of, you know, she's raised her kid. And, uh, slowly, like, he's, it's hard to describe. He's being a real asshole towards her. And, uh, go ahead.
1: Towards everyone.
0: Yeah, towards everyone. Uh, you know, basically, this is almost like a, um, you know, a growing, a tale of what it's like being a teenager, going through all those hormonal changes and whatnot, trying to figure out where you are, uh, and who you are. Um, so this, this kid, he's a real asshole and, <laughs> and he's going through some stuff, but you know, he, as you learn about what exactly he's up to, you realize that this kid is uh, really sick. Like, uh, this had, in a sense, sort of like, we need to talk about Kevin sort of feel about it. Yeah,
1: a little of that. The um, kid, by the way, is played by the terrific Kyle Allen from one of my favorite shows, The Path, on Hulu, which is... it's third season already it's about it's about a cult not scary or anything it's 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 a drama about about a cult it's really wonderful uh check out the cult on i mean the path on hulu okay that was my littlest side
0: yeah um i've never seen that but sounds interesting uh this one had a cult feel to it too and uh if anyone was the leader of that cult it would be this kid
1: well, it's the, it's, you know, this is a big trope, too. It's the whole Antichrist, you know, the son of the devil stuff. But what I liked about it is that it, it wasn't like the birth and the childhood. We jump right to his coming of age, yeah. you know, when, when the shit is really going to hit the fan.
0: And then, but...
1: I, I just love everyone around him making excuses and, and starting to do that, you know, like, she finds out, Cora finds out that, Everyone around her is like a worshiper that they're, you know, they're they're ready except accept her son (laughs) and everything, and it's really creepy. But one thing I really
0: liked about this film was the ending, because the ending in in that context, within that context that you just described, which is spot on, it doesn't make any sense. You're like, what the fuck? Until you think, until you think about it, the perspective of this story is taken from the mother. Um I I I believe she's uh somebody you can't trust uh what she's telling you or what she's <laughs> seeing because think about it <clears throat> I think honestly uh this movie and this is just my perception I could be wrong but uh I I think that she was just one of those mothers who um was uh you know too attached to her son and what she's seeing is everyone uh, trying to take her kid away from her. And, uh... Because at the end, what they do is they... I don't want to spoil it, but they... They kind of show how she hangs on to him. I don't know how to... Oh, how do I say it without spoiling it? But they, they definitely kind of mingle. <laughs> so to speak. And... uh that like it's nothing I incestual. understand
1: the ending twice now. But with your perspective of the film, it, if you look at it from that point of view, it does make sense.
0: I didn't huh. think of it until the end because I was confused. I was like, what the hell is going on? And then I thought about it. You know, this this whole uh, movie is is taken from the mother's point of view. Um, so if you take it as a unreliable narrator, um, then you, the ending kind of makes sense because, you know, that didn't make sense at all, but you kind of yeah, get the because idea. because
1: I thought it was a transformation, well, but it's it, not because of what we see afterwards. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So do you think that the scene in the principal's office is, is just kind of in the mother's head? That,
0: yeah, I think so, because this is this this movie kind of has a the babadook kind of feel to it in a sense that the you know the mother you can't trust exactly what what she's telling us or what she's experiencing because um the only thing that really points to that though is the ending and maybe the mailman <laughs> and the father the mailman gets really kind of crazy and uh, he kind of spooked me out but I don't know. To me, I, I just, I just felt it was going in that direction. I, I watched this about a week ago, so I, I think I'm, I'm forgetting certain parts as to why I thought this. Let me see if it's I a very,
1: notes. it's a very interesting perspective. Uh, I don't know if I share your opinion, but it is certainly a different way of watching it.
0: Yeah, but it, it, you know, either way, it's, it's an interesting take. The ending, though, like I said, it, it'll throw you for a loop, and you'll come up with your own ideas to what's going on in this story. Um, whatever this story is about, it, it, it was a lot, of, it was interesting. I thought they were going the whole racial route there at the school meeting there, at, at, in the principal's office. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? I do not. Because, uh, well, the uh, oh, because yeah because okay. they're like you know what uh your son did no wrong we're, we're not going to punish him um and but the family that uh that he did the the sin against were you know they're colored people they're black and uh so i thought they were going in a racial direction there that happens fairly early on but no it's not actually racial it's uh it's uh deeper than that i guess but um uh,
1: I really just I took it immediately in the Rosemary's Baby, the Omen direction because I'm so used to seeing that. So
0: that's interesting because I thought of the Babadook and uh, House on Haunted Hill type, uh, type of narrative where you can't really trust ex- the uh, the narrator exactly. And maybe maybe they wanted you to do that to uh, show just how sexist pig I am. <laughs>
3: <laughs> ah,
1: no. You're not.
0: No, I'm not. At but least, I'm deeply I disturbed
1: not. that you think think Eleanor from the Haunting of Hill House is an unreliable narrator. That it, just just fucks with my per, perspect, my my idea of the entire book, so really, so Stop it. Wow. I don't <laughs> want to hear that.
0: She is unreliable. She's no, crazy she's, she's batshit crazy. Come on.
1: No, she is not. She is. Doctor Montague's wife is a little bit Oh, the planchette. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the planchette?
1: that I'm thinking of. Oh, planchette. Planchette would tell us. <laughs> Might be from Peter Shrub's Julia. I don't
0: know. Oh, that's good. Alright, so, uh, confusion aside, what are your overall thoughts on this, on this thing?
1: Uh, for her only living son? For the whole thing.
0: Oh, actually, actually, yeah. Rate, rate the. uh, Since we've been rating them all, what what do you uh, rate? Her only living
1: son. I I will be generous and give it a four. I I enjoyed it. There's a lot of creepy stuff, and there are a lot of undertones. A lot of, you know, it's 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 based on undertones and things, and I like that, you know. Whether or not Cora is an unreliable narrator or if this is, is truth or, or whatever, um, you do. there is that paranoia, you know, where she doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah.
0: And that keeps you guessing, and maybe that's why I came to that conclusion. I could be right, I could be wrong, who knows. Uh, how about you guys uh, uh, contact us and tell us what you think? All right, so what's your overall...
1: Well, what was your what's your rating for her only Oh yeah, right.
0: I uh I would give it a 4 two. It's it was it was fun. It, you know what? You you said at the beginning when we started talking about this uh, this segment um it it did really go by quickly. You don't really notice that it's half an hour long. It's oh. very quick. And that's because it, it immerses you within the story, so
1: You know, overall I really love this anthology series. I like that I like that it's only four so that we could spend a little bit more time. You know, sometimes On each one, yeah. they they just go by a little bit too fast when there's five or more.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I love it. And I love that it's 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 an all female showcase. I really like that. And if if I'm reading Wikipedia correctly, this film did extremely poorly, which I think is a shame. It says the budget was two million and the box office take was 55,000
0: hmm.
1: And that's just a shame because these this is a really good anthology series. They're all well well shot and well done. I mean even don't fall I didn't like it, but it was quality you yeah. know it was, it was a quality production. So yeah, I definitely recommend this. I, I give would, the whole thing a four.
0: I would four recommend to it too. There's probably. a yeah, there's some interesting stuff here. Uh definitely stuff you can uh, take away. Uh stuff you'll probably want to leave behind. But you know, every <laughs> every anthology series is like that. Yeah. Uh you can't you can't please them all, as they say. And so I, I you know what I don't, I'm kinda I guess with my ratings it was either three point five or three or four, so I'm gonna go with three and a half. Three and a half dweller heads. Maybe three and three and three quarters.
1: <laughs> there you go. Well my four dweller heads are gonna eat yours because I have more. Well <laughs> so I win. Yeah. I win. It's all about me. Oh. <laughs> it's mine, mine, mine. Mine. <laughs> all right, but I recommend this to our to our listeners. Yeah, I, I think, I think that, all fun and it's with right it. on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Yes, it's on,
0: on both Canada. I imagine it's all over the world because it's in both Canada and the states. So, uh, yeah, definitely check it out. You're not gonna. I don't. You're gonna enjoy at least one of them for sure.
1: Yes, exactly. The first and one was the watch. Of fun. I, I
0: think the best one was the first one. Definitely, and, uh, which is
1: kind of a shame because it would be nice to finish on such a high note, but...
0: <laughs> yeah, real high note there, Michael.
1: <laughs> I guess I have a different point of view.
0: Maybe we can't trust your narrative.
1: <laughs> the sadder, the more disturbing and the more death, the better it is.
0: <laughs> the more happy I am. Oh, Jenna. <laughs> Alright, we're going to take a quick break and when we return, uh, we're going to close out the show. Oh. I thought, that was a lot of fun. It was? I love talking with Tim. Uh, I've been reading him for years, as I said. Uh, he writes some very fucked up shit. <laughs> he, Which it, is a favorite of mine. Yeah. Love. I love that. So definitely check him out in uh, Chud Lives tribute anthology. Uh, his story uh, was a lot of fun to read. And so, you know, the whole anthology was fun to read. Um... Check out our blog because I've been doing um, interviews with with some of the other authors uh, on there. Just like, like a quick five six question type thing, uh, but definitely go to wheredarknessdwells.com and check that out. And if you want to reach us otherwise, you can uh, you can do so very easily. We're everywhere. I just gave you the website, and uh, now you can either you can email us if you want, which is. Uh, you know what? I have not been checking.
1: <laughs> oh no! I'm relying on you.
0: I, I, you know what? I'm supposed to. I have it on my phone, so I'm supposed to get. I haven't gotten anything.
1: That's what I need to do. I need to. I need to make it officially on my list of accounts.
0: Yes, on the I. App. I. I'm looking now, and nope, nothing. But if oh. you if you do want to become a a little red one, or a little white within a red circle one. <laughs> 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 On my cell phone, you can email us at. Uh, 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 what is it? It's the Darkness Dwells podcast, isn't it? Or is it Darkness, Darkness Dwells, Dwells,
1: Dwells podcast? podcast? I think because we changed it.
0: Yeah. Changed it. Oh, that's just terrible. So what?
1: It's the Darkness Dwells podcast, or just Darkness Dwells
0: podcast? I think it's Darkness Dwells podcast.
1: Folks, we don't even know. So.
0: At yeah, it's Darkness Dwells, Dark- yes, it is Darkness Dwells podcast. At mail. Dot com. Not Gmail, mail. Mail. And uh, we will uh, get back to you on that. You can uh, and also... And Jason
1: loves notifications on his phone. So oh, yeah.
0: I, just, I totally love that. Yeah. Bing. <laughs> and uh, you can also reach us on Facebook. Uh, we have both a group and uh, a page that you can like. And both Michael and I have our own walls there, or profiles, whatever you choose and to I- call
1: hi on michaelschutzfiction.com if you want to say hi to me. Um, just to shamelessly self-promote here. Oh. But but uh, nobody's been checking out my guestbook lately, and, and I'd like to hear from people as well.
0: Yeah, go say hi to Michael.
1: Yes, I'm lonely.
0: And you can check us out at uh, Twitter as well. Um, yes. We are there as at darkdweller74 74 and if you want to help us out if you like our show uh, the best way to help us out you know everyone's doing a Patreon right now Uh, we're not but if you want to support the show go on into your iTunes account and give us uh, give us a rating and uh, write a review that is the best way you can help us right now
1: and we would appreciate it we would love it we'd like to know that we're not just talking to ourselves
0: I mean the numbers are there The numbers are there. We're there People, they're subscribers I know there are
1: Well then we love you Thank you And
0: we need your support Please rate and review
1: Because if we didn't care about you Jason and I would just message back and forth all this shit
0: Yeah, <laughs> and, and we'd get bored <laughs> We want more friends, people Friends all right, so this
1: is all a desperate cry for attention It
0: is, it really is we're nothing but hacks, Michael.
1: <gasps> Take that back. <laughs> that's that's teasing too far.
0: That you've gone too far, sir. All right. Well, uh, I want to thank Tim Wagoner for being on the show. It was a blast talking to him.
1: Yes, thank you, Tim. Oh, my goodness.
0: And, that was a- and thank you, Michael.
1: Why, well, and thank you as well.
0: And uh, you know what? We The month of Chud may be pretty well close to being over but we have a ton of stuff planned for everyone so keep on listening stay tuned and stay dark my friends stay dark indeed